When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to another episode of Blush. I'm your host, Tiva, and boy, oh boy, do I have a fucking show for you today. And really, I should not have hyped it up so much because who knows? <laughs> it could fall apart. Do you guys remember, if you've been listening for a minute, do you remember, I wish I could remember exactly when this would go down. I think it was before I went to Australia. So maybe months and months ago, maybe the end of 2022, the end of... Ooh, okay, quick tangent. I can't believe this is a record. We're, what, 13 seconds in and I'm already on a tangent. When you think of years, do you think of them as calendar years or academic years? Because a fun fact about me, I tend to think of years as academic years. And I've now trained myself to say, like, I I just was thinking the end of last year, is in the end of 2022. But generally speaking, in my head, if I think of last year, I think of last August to June rather than 2022. It's just this bizarre thing about me. I still, even though I'm an old fucking grown-ass woman, I still think of years as academic years. Like, what the fuck is that? And you know, in Australia, their academic years are the same as their calendar years, which makes life a lot easier because their summers are in, you know, December. Like, December is the start of the summer. So they just have their summer break the same as their Christmas break, which I guess then they don't really get. I mean, I don't know. Aussies, do you guys get some kind of winter break also? Anyway. (laughs) Okay. Do you guys remember a while back? I would get this issue when I was recording. It was well before I was doing video where I would get really lightheaded during the episode and just kind of crash. It was this bizarre problem I was having for a while. And the other day I realized I completely forgot about it. And the other day I was like, oh shit, I used to have this problem and I thank God haven't had it anymore. You know, knock on wood or as Aussies would say, touch wood. But yeah, who knows? Who knows what the fuck could happen? But I do have a good episode prepped. I hope I can deliver because we will never forget the one episode I had prepped, which was so fucking fire in terms of content and everything. But my delivery just was not there. And I really, really, really just stank it up, but like really shot the bed. So who knows? Maybe it'll be a shit episode, but... It has the makings for a good one, so we'll see what happens. (laughs) Okay, so last weekend, I went down to D.C. with Ozzy, and he met my dad for the first time. He had met the rest of my family before. It was my niece's second birthday, and we actually stayed with my brother and sister-in-law. Usually when I go down, I stay stay with my parents, and, um, you know, it was cool because they have a pool, but they kind of... I don't know, don't use it all the time. Like we were only, sorry, if you're watching, there was a fuzzy stuck between me and the mic. So I was 
being really awkward trying to grab it. And I just want to reiterate, if you're not watching the episodes, you're really losing out on a lot. But then again, I don't want to incentivize too many people to watch it because I do like having the iTunes rankings. And as more and more people go to Spotify, I chart less and less on iTunes, even though I'm getting more downloads than ever. So anyway, it's... <laughs> Two inside baseball, let's just move right along. But yeah, so the trip starts. So we drove down Thursday morning and basically Wednesday morning, all morning, Samantha, my dog, had diarrhea. And I mean violent diarrhea. She diarrheaed in the house. She diarrheaed outside. She diarrheaed in the house. It was an absolute literal shit show. Meanwhile, I'm as constipated as ever because I've been trying to taper off of my magnesium and just really incentivize my gut to function on its own because I have used substances to stimulate my bowels since I was 18, pretty much. I started taking laxatives really because I had lifelong constipation. But then when I started taking laxatives, not too long after that, although not necessarily right away, but a few years into me using laxatives somewhat regularly, I then developed an eating disorder. So I started taking more and more and more laxatives. I mean, I got to a point at some point, maybe I'll do a full episode about this or talk about it in more depth or something. But it got to a point where I was taking a lot of fucking laxatives. Like, I can't remember the number, but I was taking a lot of them per day. And then that kind of continued for all of my 20s. And then when I, and I would take them every single day. The only way I wouldn't take laxatives is if I wasn't eating that day at all. And so I would basically try to like hook up with guys, not because I wanted to, but because I wanted someone to sleep over because if someone slept over that I wouldn't eat and wouldn't take laughs. Anyway, I'm not going to bore you with the whole thing. But basically I, and then I got off of laxatives when I finished school, grad school. I, I finished the bar specifically. I finished law school and I finished the bar and then I really took some time. I had one class left for my MBA. So I was taking that one class and I was going to acupuncture like five days a week. I was doing visceral work. I was doing so much shit to get my bowels to move without laxatives. And I tapered off of laxatives, but I started taking a very strong formulation of magnesium that I think is fine once in a while when you're really constipated, but I don't think it's the type of thing that you should be on daily. And one thing I'm learning about myself is I can't, I have a very addictive personality specifically when it comes to pooping. <laughs> so if there is something that will help me poop, I will become addicted to it. Like I started vaping because it helped me poop. And then I was vaping for a year or two. And then I had to quit that, you know? And so now I'm, so I basically, if it's not safe for daily use, I can't do it. Otherwise I will start doing it daily and it's going to become a whole problem. So yeah, I'm tapering off of this magnesium and really trying to get my colon to really do the work and push the poop out. Out on its own. And in the process, I've been extremely constipated. And one thing I'm really focusing on is really increasing my tolerance for that full constipated feeling, even, you know, feeling really bloated, having my tummy be really round, things like that, which has been great. But it also comes with um, a lot of irritability, if I'm being honest. So I'm irritable. My dog has diarrhea. I am not even really being a great dog mom to her because I'm honestly so 
fucking jealous that this dumb bitch just has diarrhea with no effort. Meanwhile, it's like my body has anxious attachment towards the poop and is like, please don't leave the body ever. We want to keep you forever. And so that's kind of my mental state going into this poop thing or going into this trip. I'm sorry. And so we're kind of even unsure if we can do it because of Sam, but she seems to be doing better. And I have all this shit for my family. I mean, I stood in a fucking sample size. Oh my God. Sample sale line for my sister-in-law for four hours, for four motherfucking hours, because there's this brand that she really likes. It's MZ Wallace. They make these bags that I guess have a lot of pockets and compartments and things like that. And she really loves them. They're really great for babies and and they're really cute and whatnot. So she was like, hey, they have a sample sale. Can you go? And in all fairness, the location of the sample sale was very close to me, but I did not realize it was going to, I didn't think it was that popular of a brand. So I didn't think it was that big of a deal. And yeah, I was in line for four hours before I got in, but they did have really good shit. She even was like, you can leave. It's fine. But I was like, "Eh, I've invested so much what's another three hours it turns out but whatever so I had a million bags for her I had gotten all these cool exotic well Japanese flavors of Kit Kat for my brother from the Japanese store I'd gotten all this tropical fruit that you know my parents can't get in DC for my parents and I'd ordered all of this shit for my family and I just really wanted to go and see them and yeah luckily it did pan out we were able to go the drive was kind of hell there was all this road closure or whatever um but Sam is just such a fucking angel in the car and all in all it ended up being a really good visit my dad loved Ozzy which is great because you know makes my life so much easier and Ozzy is very lovable and you know one thing he said to me that really meant a lot to me um, after we left I talked to him and he's like no I really really like him and he's like you know he's a great guy he's just so easy to get along with, so easy to talk to, uh, you know, just very, you know, socially well-adjusted and uh, just so kind to everyone and fun to be around. But he's like, the number one thing that I like about him is how much he cares about you. And it's so instantly obvious. He's constantly looking out for you. He's constantly trying to help you. He's constantly, you can tell that his focus and attention is on you being your best. And nothing makes me happier than to see that you found someone like that. And to hear that from my dad meant so much because I I know that about Ozzy, right? I know that about our relationship, but I didn't know that you as an outsider would be able to perceive that and just witnessing him for a few minutes. So all of those things were amazing. Now, one thing that I didn't love about the trip, but I actually do love about the trip, and I'll explain. <laughs> I'll explain why it sounds like I just contradicted myself because it wasn't not technical. Oh my God. I didn't technically, like both things are true, is there are things I don't love about my family, but Seeing those things that I don't love about my family is such a fucking gift because it really held up a mirror to patterning in myself that I don't like that I really, really want to work on because I don't, 
I want to be the best version of myself for myself, for Ozzy, for my friends, for people around me, for you guys, and for the next generation. If I ever have kids, I want to pass on better habits to them. And it starts with me having better habits. And so I really want to get into this. Um, I was going to go on a bit of a tangent about this book that I read. <laughs> well, where are the crawdads saying? Should we just do it? I don't know. I talked about it. I'm just scared it's going to go way, way, way too long if I don't get into the content now. So I will recap, not recap, but I'll talk about where the crawdads saying and what I thought about it because I did finish it and I have a lot to say. No spoilers at all, but I am going to talk about it next week. So whatever. Um, but yeah. In witnessing my family this weekend and then really thinking about it and unpacking it and thinking about, you know, things that I've witnessed with other people and with myself, I've come up with five habits that are so fucking unattractive and quite frankly, they are relationship killers. I think these are the five kind of silent killers of relationships. Because here's the thing. I think we tend to think of big things as ruining relationships, right? We think of the cheating. We think of excessive jealousy. We think of these massive big blowout fights. We think of lack of intimacy, both physical and otherwise. But really, I think it's actually the day-to-day, the small things that are slowly just chipping away at your relationship and killing them rather than these big, catastrophic things. And the first of these five is snapping. By the way, before I get into these five, I just want to make this abundantly clear. All five of these things are things that I do all the fucking time. These are things that I witnessed my family do over the weekend, and I've witnessed friends of mine do. And I know that I do all five of these, and that's why I want to talk about it. And usually I talk about things that I kind of master and walk through on the other side. This episode is very different, and that's part of why I'm so excited about this episode, because this episode, in a way, is kind of for me. This episode, I want to listen to, and I want to take my own advice. And I'm really going to talk about the ways that I'm going to do these things less. Anyway, uh, number one on this list is snapping. So we all know what snapping is, and we all probably have done it here and there. Um, Over the weekend, uh, there are two times that really stand out to me where I was snappy. One was pretty funny. The other was just psycho. So the first one I can think of is my dad, who is pretty bald. He has like a little hair on his sides and stuff. He used to do like the comb over for a long time. Honestly, honestly, he would kill me for saying this, but I think he wore a toupee in my childhood. I can't prove it, but I think he did. I was pretty young though. And then he stopped wearing it and he started doing a very intense comb over. And now he just kind of lets the top part bald. It's fine. It's whatever. I I still think he's a handsome man, not to sound too Oedipal, but I I do. I think he's a handsome man, even without the hair. 
so and it's funny because he's he has so much fucking hair on the rest of his body he honestly has so much hair that he looks like he's a quarter gorilla like he doesn't even look full human <laughs> like it's so much hair I remember one summer uh, well I wasn't around for this but they always tell this story and he laughs about his own hairiness but um they were somewhere this is when my parents were younger with some friends of theirs and everyone was getting just stung the fuck up by mozzies mosquitoes sorry Ozzy say mozzies so I'm just used to it now and I just think it's cute and my dad wasn't and he kept being like why are you guys getting stung so much and I'm not and they're like uh because when the mozzie lands on you they can't reach the fucking stinger down to your skin because there is so much hair it's so much hair it's just it's this three-dimensional coating all over his body anyway that's not what this is about so I'd mentioned to my parents a while back that I just never really wash my hair anymore I really Honestly, I'm going to try to do it a little more regularly. And by that, I mean maybe every other week. That's my goal because I just watched it last week and I think it had been well over a month. Like that is, I mean, I'm really pushing every fucking boundary. Now I do get it wet. And you know what a compromise would be? I can use conditioner because when I washed it last week and had to get all the knots out, there were areas that were quite close to being dreaded because I don't, I, I'll get it wet after I do the sauna blanket or whatever, but, and I rinse it out and I'll go into my scalp and kind of massage it with my hands. That's another thing, you know, if I just do maybe a vinegar flush once a week or something, then maybe I could just watch, wash it once a month. But I, I just think a little more cleanliness. Needs to this is, by the way, for someone who washes their hair every day, this is probably some of the most shocking shit you could ever hear. But if you wash it like once a week, this is probably a little less shocking. I do have a lot of hair. I just want to make that clear when it never really looks dirty. I just want to say right now it's wet. So if you think it looks dirty right now, it's not. It's just wet. Anyway, where am I? Oh, okay. So I'd mentioned to my parents how infrequently I wash my hair. And my mom's like, yeah, go off. Whatever do you? And my dad's like, oh my God, you need to wash it more. Like this is crazy, blah, blah, blah. Like your hair is going to fall out. And so he brought it up again when I was down there. He's like, you really need to wash your hair more often. I'm really worried that it's going to fall out. I was like, what are you talking about? Like washing your hair less is good for your hair. And he's like, no, no, no. They always used to tell us when I was younger that that if you don't wash your hair more often, it'll fall out. And I was like, well, your hair did an exceptionally good job of not falling out. And my mom laughed and listen, it was kind of funny, but it was kind of snappy and bitchy, you know. But the other story, this is a better story of snapping. So while we were up there, Ozzy and I both noticed that Samantha, my dog, was a little more wobbly than usual. And so we took her to the vet and he did some testing and he said her right leg is perfect, but on the left side, yes, I do see some nerve issues. And so we're just going to put her on gabapentin again and just have her rest more, yada, yada, no big deal. And so generally, if it's one or two steps, I'll let her take one or two steps because she can do that on her own. But because of that, I was carrying her even if it's just one step because I just wanted her to be resting as much as possible. Like we're doing the shortest possible walks for her just so she can use the bathroom and that's it. And, um, and so I, we were walking out of the garage and I went to go 
pick up Samantha to take her down the step. My mom, my mom's like, oh, I got her. I got her. And I was like, no, 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 it's fine, mom. I got her. And she's like, no, 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 I'll get her. And my poor mom is just trying to be nice, just trying to help. She always, anytime I go to carry anything, she always wants to do it for me because, you know, she has all these issues now with her back and her arms and this and that and tennis elbow and shoulder and whatever. And she doesn't want the same thing to happen to me. So she always wants me, she wants to do these things for me, right? And so I was like, mom, I got it. It's fine. She's like, no, 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 I got it. And I was like, mom, stop it. I got it. (laughs) And then my brother at the same time is like, for the love of God, mom, she's got it. Just move away. (laughs) We're just being like fucking psychos snapping at this poor lady who is only offering to help like she's just trying to be nice and we just in tandem like fucking rabid dogs who just saw like a piece of steak on the ground or like at her for like for no reason again she was trying to be nice it was so unnecessary for us to snap at her like that like it was just such a bad look and listen him and I are the same in these ways because we grew up in the same household so yeah number one and there are so many other examples listen I snap all the time I snap at Ozzy a lot I snap all the time and for whatever reason when planning out this episode I couldn't think of better examples of when I'm being snappy because I do it so often. It's like me trying to pick out examples or stories of me breathing. It's just happening all the fucking time. And I wish it wasn't so, and I'm definitely going to be more mindful of it in the future. And speaking of things I'm going to be more mindful of, the second silent killer of relationships and trait that makes you or activity or habit that makes you look really fucking unattractive is complaining. Now, I had a front row seat to complaining this weekend because my mom complains a lot and I feel really, really bad and I feel mean talking about this, but she complains so fucking much. Specifically, she complains a lot about physical stuff, about being in pain, about being tired. This hurts, that hurts, whatever. Um, But, you know, when we were driving up from D.C., Ozzy, who's just such a beach boy, you know, he grew up on the northern beaches of Sydney and he's just obsessed with the beach, sand, water, taking a dip, etc. As we're driving up, he's like, hey, um, what do you or even before we left, he's like, what do you think of while we have the car? Let's just swing by Rockaway on our way up and um dip into the water and then we can go home. And I was like, yeah, sure. Whatever you want, baby, let's do it. Like I want to do what's going to be fun for you because you've been so wonderful to me and my whole family this weekend. And you know, if it were just me, would I necessarily want to go? No, I'd probably want to go home and do all the things that I need to do. But you've been so wonderful, so wonderful to me. So let's go. Right. And it takes forever to get there for like even longer than what the map predicted because the map puts in one part of Rockaway, but we go all the way to the end to be able to take Samantha because there it's really lawless back there. So it's just, it's forever 
forever. It added so much time when we had all this fresh fruit in the back of the car that my parents had packed. And we did have it in an insulated bag with ice packs, but it was really, really fucking hot. And I was really hungry. And so while we're at the beach, um, like these, some kind of creature kept biting and stinging me. I don't even know what it was because it wasn't particularly itchy. There were just these massive welts all over me. And by the time we got there, it wasn't even hot anymore. So I was too cold and Sam was barking and Sam wasn't relaxed and I was hungry and I was just complaining the entire time instead of letting it be like this fun beach trip. Again, complaining is something I do so much that it's hard to even find examples of it because it's such a big part of where I am. But I think we all or most of us are complaining so fucking much. And just think about it. Like, how often are people saying that they're tired? Like, try going one week without complaining about being tired. I think for most people, it's actually a reflex to the question, hey, how are you? Mm, Good, tired. Like when you're talking to someone you actually know, right? If you're talking to the cashier or someone you don't really know, you usually say good, fine, whatever. But if you're talking to someone you actually know, it's almost a reflex to say that you're tired in response to how are you. Try going one week without saying how are you, uh, without saying you're tired or and and moreover, try going just 24 hours without complaining at all. It's really fucking hard. We are hardwired to be complaining constantly, I think. And it's so unattractive and it's so, it's just draining on people when you're complaining 24 seven. And again, I'm saying this as someone who does it, as someone who fucking does it, it's not attractive and it's not fun. And think about it with both of the things that I've said so far, snapping and complaining, you don't really do these things in the beginning of dating, or I would say most socially aware people are not, like most of us really are not snapping in the early stages of dating. But even I would say most of us aren't complaining so much in the early stages of dating. Now, some people I think do. I can think of people that I'm friends with who complain so much that I actually could see them rocking up to first or second dates already complaining about just random shit, but it's so fucking draining. But then once you enter into a relationship, it's just like fair game and all this shit starts coming out. And another example of this, another unattractive trait and another, in my opinion, silent killer of relationships is mocking. Now, over the weekend, my parents gave me, um, they buy these amazing medjool dates from the Persian store and they had mentioned that they had just gotten really good ones. And they're so fucking juicy that you keep them in the freezer and even as they're fully, fully frozen, you can bite into it and they're juicy. That's how good they are. Like buy a date from a normal white store and put it in the freezer. You can't eat it right away. It's not juicy enough to be able to do that. But something about these dates, it's like biting into pure caramel, pure caramel with a light skin or coating around it that snaps when you bite into it the way a really fucking good hot dog snaps. And then you just get gooey caramel just filling your entire fucking mouth. They were the best dates 
ever. They're so good. It's honestly hard to believe. Like it's hard to comprehend how they can be so fucking good. And so my parents had brought me some and one night I was eating them and fine, I'll just say this. My sis and I was like, oh my God, these are so good. Like they're so good. They're such good dates. Like, oh, I can't get over how good these are. My sister-in-law's like, really? Are they so good? They're so good. Tell me more. Are they so good? I was like, yo, are you okay? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> Another example of mocking. When I was in high school, I had these two friends, like the three of us had a little trio. And one of the girls in the trio, we will call her Catherine, could be just kind of mean. She was so great, so sweet. Like we're we were really good friends. And she was such a good friend and so loyal and so kind and so funny and so fun to be around. Like so many amazing qualities. But she just could kind of be mean. And one of the ways in which she could be kind of mean, well, okay, really she did all five of the things that I'm about to talk about today. Those were her downsides. She was a massive complainer. She, I don't know that she could be snappy actually in all fairness, but she definitely would mock a lot. And this is an example of it. So the other girl in our trio of friends one day said something like, I forget what the context was, but she was trying to use the word chic and she didn't know how to pronounce it. And interestingly enough, this other girl's Persian, in Farsi, the word chic is pronounced chic. Also, it's 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 chic and you would pronounce it chic. But um, so I think maybe knowing that and seeing it written, she just assumed in English it was pronounced chic. It's fine. She had never heard it before. How the fuck would she know how to pronounce it? So she said chic. And Catherine, the way she went into her for call saying chic, she goes, What? And she's like, chic. And she's like, what are you saying? And she's like, chic. And she's like, do you mean chic? And she was just so mean about it and laughing at her and just relentlessly mocking her. And I just want to say, there's a difference between joking and mocking. Like teasing is fun. Teasing is light in nature and it doesn't make people feel bad usually. And here's the thing, even if it does make someone feel bad, because you sometimes you can't control how it lands on someone, your intentions are always good. Mocking isn't light and fun. And I will say it's a really fine line, but I think that line is intention. And I think it's really easy to tell yourself that you had good intentions, but you have to be really, really honest with yourself. And I have two kind of stories about things that I've done to compare and contrast. So my brother's 40th birthday in 2021 was the first time I'd seen my family in like two years because I didn't see them for all of lockdown, et cetera. So I, the last, and we were supposed to see each other for Persian New Year's of 2020, which would have been March of 2020. Um, they were all supposed to come up to New York and we were all going to celebrate together. And it was going to be the first time we'd seen each other in a while. And obviously we canceled all that because of COVID. So I hadn't seen them in a long ass time. And which is actually really not at all in even a little bit remotely related to the story. But anyway, my brother had a big party for his 40th birthday. And 
Um, one of his friends, one of his really close friends from college is um, he lives in New York and he has this live in girlfriend who I was really, really close with at the time. We'll call her Sheila. Like we were really, really close. Like we talked all the time. We would hang out here and there, but we were both the flakiest fucking people ever. And we were standing in a group and I was super sober. I just want to add that because I actually think it's really important. And I said, completely jokingly, I was like, yeah, I'm so flaky, but this bitch right here is even flakier than me. Referring to Sheila. It was a joke. I completely intended it as a joke. I mean, I actually do think she's kind of flakier than me, but who the fuck am I to talk? Like I'm almost as flaky, you know, it wasn't like a criticism. I was just joking about how we don't see each other nearly as much as we'd like to see each other because we're both so flaky. And I was just teasing her for being flaky. She fucking flipped out and lost and we haven't spoken since, which I think actually speaks volumes about the type of person that she is. Because here's the thing, if she was like really offended or whatever, like maybe she's really sensitive about being flaky and I didn't know that. She could have spoken to me after and I would have apologized. And then on the other hand, if she was really sensitive to like me using the word bitch, which I completely used in a joking way. It's not like I was like, oh, my God, you're such a bitch. I said, oh, this bitch right here, which is always a joking thing. But let's say she's sensitive towards that, which I don't agree with. But you can't choose how people are. If she Again, she had spoken to me. I would have been like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. But instead, she just never spoke to me again and started talking shit about me to everyone in that group, including my brother and sister-in-law who were like, yeah, she's our literal family. Anyway, um, but my intentions were so pure. My intentions truly, and this is where me being sober really plays into it. Because I was sober, I can say with a hundred percent percent certainty. I knew what was going through my head. My intentions truly were not to mock her. They purely were teasing versus you guys remember how I've talked about my neighbor and how he, he hasn't even moved into the building. He's doing all these repairs to the building. And for that, he asked to turn the power off and he turned the whole building's power off. And ever since we've been having all these elevator issues in the building, whatever. So one day I was really just irritated thinking about how he's causing all these problems in part because I'd been locked out of the fucking apartment because of that. And I was just plotting out what I was going to say to him the next time I ran into him. And so in my head, I was like, oh, the next time I see him, I'm going to be like, oh, look, it's the troublemaker himself or something like that. And then like just making a little dig about how he, you know, like he's causing all these issues in the building and like everyone's angry at him because the elevator keeps going out. And even though me saying, oh, look, it's the troublemaker himself on paper sounds so much more minor than saying this bitch is more flaky than me. In fact, it was so much worse because my intentions weren't just to lightly tease. My intentions were to really make a dig at him because he was causing all of these problems, right? So you really have to be honest with yourself and not look at how things look on paper or just be like, oh, I was just joking. I was just teasing. But look at your intentions because sometimes I think we hide behind joking and teasing when what we're actually doing is mocking. Now, the fourth and second to last (laughs) 
characteristic that I want to talk about that I think is super unattractive and is also a silent relationship killer is condescending. Now, being condescending um, and mocking seem very similar. And so I did actually look this up because in my head, I thought they were different, but I didn't know how to verbalize the difference. So this is what I found on some website. It said the difference between, and by by the way, I think the website was like the dictionary website. <laughs> Just want to say it was a pretty official website. It wasn't like some chick's blog. Ooh, also, is that my own internalized misogyny there when I say some chick's blog? <laughs> like... I should maybe check myself. But anyway, it said the difference between condescending and mocking is that condescending is assuming a tone of superiority or a patronizing attitude while mocking is derisive. Is that what that says? My eyes are um, kind of jumping so I can't read it very well and it's kind of far away or contemptuous. So yeah, there's this air of superiority and judgment to being condescending. Now, going back to that high school friend, Catherine, Catherine would say a lot of condescending shit. She would say a lot of mocking shit. She would complain a lot and she would say a lot, a lot, a lot of condescending stuff. And Catherine and I had a falling out after college at some point. I think I've talked about it before. I probably used a different name for her, which I can't remember. But um, I really would say that in our falling out, it was probably my fault. I was in a very strange phase in life and we just didn't really fit anymore, which happens. And maybe I'll tell the story later, Uh, although I will tell kind of a funny story. (laughs) One of the uh, no, not one of literally the last time we hung out. She lived in New York at the time I lived in D.C. This was after college. We didn't go to college together. We went to high school together. We stayed friends all through college. She was down in college for her friend's birthday or something, and um, she rocked up to my place to get ready with me and my friend, and we were going to go get a drink somewhere and then go to this for her friend's birthday thing. And um, and she didn't do any drugs. And this was during a phase. And we were just out of college. We were experimenting a lot. We were partying a lot. We were having a lot of fun, whatever. No big deal. So we're like just like smoking all day and she's not. And then, oh, my friend and I took these pills, like these like rolls that someone had told us and he said they're really really trippy and he's like I really think you should take a half each and we're like "Uh, we're adults we can handle it and he's like no trust me like take a quarter to a half and I think we actually did listen to him when we split one when I tell you we lost our fucking minds we like did not know up from down so Catherine rolls up and we are like like rolling around on the floor and we also didn't want to tell her that we had taken anything because you know she didn't really partake and we didn't want her judging us and we didn't want her feeling left out or awkward which honestly we should have just fucking told her because we're being so fucking weird that (laughs) I'm sure it would have made her feel better if she just knew instead of us trying to kind of hide it from her and so I'm not even joking she's like you know putting on makeup and doing her hair and doing normal things as we are 
playing music, giggling and rolling around on my bed and pointing at shit on the walls. And we're like, oh my God, Catherine, you look so pretty. And we're putting no effort into getting ready. And she's like, okay, we're going to eat. And we're like, nah. And she's like, okay, I have to eat. And I was like, I have leftovers in the fridge from last night if you want. And so she's eating. I mean, this is terrible. Like this is, I'm laughing at, like I'm laughing at this situation, but it was some of my worst behavior ever. And so finally when she's like ready, we're like, okay, let's like, so we had a, we had a lot of friends in, you know, like DC nightlife. So one of our good friends was working at this one loungy spot. And so he's like, yeah, roll through. So we go over there and we're like not even really able to engage with her. We're sitting at this table. It's so awkward. We're like really barely capable of doing just anything normal. I don't think we were drinking. We're just like giggling, making no sense. And then our friend is like, yo, where did you find these drugs? Like we want some. And so I was like, I can text this guy. We just met him. He seems nice, whatever. And so, but we're like really, really stressed. Like we like, honestly barely know what's going on like we're really I mean I do have such a vivid memory of it so we do know what's going on but it was just you know when you like expect an a molly type of experience and instead get like 20 doses of acid type of experience like we just did it It was not what we were anticipating because basically what had happened was we'd reached out to this guy by the way after this podcast I'm never going to be able to get a corporate job again (laughs) but um so let's hope it keeps going well (laughs) but um Uh, we had reached out to this guy being like, hey, do you have like acid or mushrooms or something? And he's like, I really don't. But I have these, they're technically ecstasy tabs, but I'm telling you they're so fucking trippy. And we just thought like, oh, he's just saying that because he's trying to make a sale, you know? So we weren't taking seriously when he kept being like, no, you will trip your balls off. Like take a quarter, like blah, blah, blah. And we're like, yeah, 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 whatever. Like it's not my first beer, you know? Um, but it was it <laughs> so we were just tripping so hard like we're really struggling and like and she's also it wasn't all all me she's also making a lot of references to things I didn't know about for example at some point she's like yeah this guy like is so like Scott Disick like and I was like who and she's like Scott Disick and I was like I don't like I'm sorry am I supposed to know who that is like I have no idea who this is keep in mind it was 2011 when this happened so I mean keeping up had been on the air for a while I just didn't watch it I didn't watch reality shows at the time so I had no idea what she was talking about so it was just a lot of like it became clear how much we had grown apart in college because you know she had all these interests like um going out and being normal and eating and putting on makeup and watching reality tv and I had all these interests like going to raves and not eating and getting high and you know our our lives just weren't well aligned anymore so then our friend who um was working the place who was sober by the way I just want to add 
is kind of driving us back. We're like, yo, we cannot go to this party. Like we're struggling enough around people that we know. Like the last thing we can do right now is show up to this like massive gay club that's going to be pumping music and dancing with a bunch of people we don't know. Like we have to go home. And she's like, that's fine. I'll go to the party. And so I'm sure she's irritated at this point and just confused and annoyed and all those things, which make perfect sense. And I don't blame her one bit for all of these things. <laughs> but um, but then the real kicker was, <laughs> so we're driving back and, and he's like, hey, Catherine, where should I drop you off to go to the spot? And she's like, I mean, you don't have to drive me there just anywhere that's convenient to. And he like he keeps asking her and she like, honestly, she should have really just been like, hey, can you drop me off there? But I get why she isn't saying that because she doesn't want to be imposing and demanding and stuff. And it's just getting really confusing. And I was like, yo, we're kind of getting far. Like like if we keep driving this way towards my place, we're going to get further away from where she needs to go. This actually kind of is the closest spot to where she needs to go that's literally on our route so why don't we like pull over now and let her out but it was honestly almost analogous to just like throwing her out in the middle of the street (laughs) even though that was not my intentions at all but like that's kind of kind of how it landed and yeah I don't we've like never really we never hung out after that but anyway Terrible story. Just to illustrate, Catherine is an absolute angel of a human being, and she was an excellent friend to me, and I really fucked up our friendship, okay? I just want to say this before I keep saying negative things about her and giving examples of ways that she was kind of terrible because she actually was amazing, and I was a fucking cunt, bitch, idiot, like, degenerate, okay? Let's just just move right along. Anyway, so a few years after that incident... I ran into Catherine at a bar and she had moved to D.C. at this point, which she did not tell me because we really stopped being friends after that night. And I completely understand why. (laughs) And um, God, again, I'm not laughing because like I think this is okay. I'm laughing because I'm so mortified. (laughs) Whatever. So. I'm with a couple of my guy friends at this bar and I run into her and it's our kind of tiny um, hole in the wall dive bar right by our apartments that we used to go to all the time. We were regulars. We knew the bartenders. It was a really chill vibe for us. And we run into her and she's with this guy and she was hammered and like barely making sense and we all like weren't even that big of drinkers we were more of stoners and we're just kind of chilling it's a weekday at the bar grabbing a drink whatever engaging in conversation and she's hammered and she's saying like really weird shit and it was just very awkward it was honestly kind of the reverse of that night but um But we're talking a lot to the guy she's with. And she had just finished her grad program, which is why she was so hammered, like, randomly on a weekday. And he was so nice. Like, I do not have enough wonderful things to say about this man. He was so engaging. He was really just uh, gracious. He's talking to us. He's asking us questions. He said that he brought her here because he used to work nearby or something. And they would come to this bar. I mean, he was just being so engaging, so wonderful, so sweet. Like, I literally do not have enough nice things to say about this guy. And he went to the bathroom and I said, hey, Catherine, is this your boyfriend? And she's like, Oh, the fat guy? Mm, Yeah. 
I mean, all of our jaws were literally on the floor. Like, what? A, you're only here with one person, so you don't need to clarify who we're talking about. We're talking about the one person you're fucking here with, bitch. Like, there's no one else here with you. It's one person. So yeah, that guy, did you just call him the fat guy? Or like, what the fuck? Like, if, now, was he a little bit overweight? Yes, of course. But, if you had told me to pick a hundred adjectives to describe this man based on our five minute interaction, I don't think fat would have been one of them. Nice, interesting, engaging, good conversationalist. I mean, I literally think I could come up with 100 adjectives before I would even pick his weight because he had so many amazing qualities about himself. Who gives a shit if he's fat? Are you out of your fucking mind? Like, what the fuck? fuck? And then she follows it up with, yeah, no, but he's really trying to lose weight. And I was like, who cares? By the way, it's not like he was morbidly obese. Like he was like a tiny bit overweight. I don't know. Like, I don't know how to judge people's weights. Like he wasn't thin. Like, yes, he potentially had a little weight to lose, but I don't think like if he went to the doctor, they'd be like, holy shit, like you need to lose. Like it was not the first most noticeable thing about him. It was so weird and so condescending and had this undertone of like, I know I can do better, but like he's nice and he's trying. And it was so off-putting. And I remember for years, I felt so shitty about the way Catherine and my friendship had ended. Um, I, I mean, I'm sure you can understand why. Like that night I told you about was a disaster and it was all my fault. It was all my fault. Like Catherine played no part in it. And on top of that, I'm sure I was a terrible friend to her in so many ways because I was just kind of an awful person. Like, I don't think I intended to be. I think I had so much of my own unprocessed trauma. And I think I was dealing with so much that no one knew about. Like, none of my friends ever really knew how abusive my home life was and how much I was suffering at home. And so I'm sure in a lot of ways, I took things out on them without them realizing, uh, without my me even realizing it. I'm sure I was a terrible friend to Catherine and so many fucking ways. But that moment at that bar, I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Maybe I should be grateful that we aren't friends anymore because if that is how she's speaking about her life partner, then what the fuck is she saying about her friends? What the fuck is she saying about other people? I mean, it was honestly so off-putting. And ever since then, I've seen a lot of other off-putting behavior about her, namely like she's bizarrely obsessed with caviar and it's just like very, very strange. Anyway, um, but like, I don't know, I condescend all the time. One thing I've noticed recently that I do specifically with my family is I think I can be very condescending about how much work I've done on myself, how much therapy I've done, how much like deep, deep inner work and like mental reprogramming and like neuroplasticity, like just deep work that I've done on myself and how much I've changed and grown and evolved as a person. And sometimes I find myself tempted to take like make little jabs about it. Like, for example, 
my mom might complain about something that my dad does and I'll be tempted to say something like, yeah, well, these aren't really problems in my relationship because I've done so much inner work and like we have so uh, such great communication or something like that. And even though I don't actually say these things out loud, I do think them a, a lot and they are very condescending. Ooh, ooh, wait, I have another example of something extremely condescending. So I've talked about um, when I was in college, when I was 19, I started dating this guy in med school. I've talked about him before and how terrible he was. So one time well into our relationship, uh, my cousin was visiting from Iran and my cousin, my brother, and I went to the Gucci store and they bought me a trench from the Gucci store and some shoes also. I don't know what the fuck happened to the shoes. I did give the trench away before I moved to New York. Like why? But it was a short trench. And I think at this junction in my life, if I want a trench, I'd want a longer trench. Anyway, but I'd never had designer stuff before. I was, you know, I was pretty young and I was really excited and it was just such a luxurious experience for me. You know, I felt like such a noob, like being in the Gucci store and they're offering you things they are being so nice to you and they're taking care of you and stuff. And I, I was just, you know, so excited and so whatever. And I remember telling my boyfriend, the med school guy, I was like, yeah. And then I got this jacket, whatever. And then, um, I wore the trench the next time we hung out or something and it wasn't raining, but it was kind of perfect trench weather aside from it not raining because, you know, a trench is kind of a light jacket and it was the perfect jacket for that weather. And the way this man roasted me, he's like, you dumb rich people don't even know like a trench coat is for the rain. It's not even raining. You look like an idiot. Like God, like money is just wasted on you. You don't even know how to use it. I mean, the way he went in on me. And that was just a normal way that this man used to speak to me all the fucking time. But because I was 19, I didn't realize how toxic and like, quite frankly, abusive that was. But yeah, just another example of like a more extreme type of condescension. But the air underneath it is like, I'm smarter than you. I'm better than you. I'm more worldly than you. I'm more classy than you. You're young. You're dumb. You don't know how to do anything. So as you can imagine, if you treat people like this in relationships, they're not going to really fucking love it. And it's really going to put a damper on things. And the fifth and last silent relationship killer I have, and this one's a fucking doozy, is criticizing. Now, a few weeks ago, Ozzy and I were visiting some friends for the day and it was their child's birthday and they decided to bake a cake for this child's birthday. Now, um, our friends, Harry and Charlotte, we're going to call them. So Charlotte had, it, it was just boxed cake mix, by the way. <laughs> But, you know, she's not really a baker and she didn't listen. So she had ordered some springform pans and she had the box mixes. And so she made two of the mixes um, or two different kinds and she had two different pans for it. And so she but she hadn't poured it into the pan. And so then she went to do something and she told Harry to pour it into the pan and put it into the oven for her while she's, you know, doing stuff with the daughter. And he's like. Um, if I put this bigger one into the bigger pan, it's going to overflow. And she's like, okay, well then don't 
put all of it in like this is easily fixable um like you haven't even put it in the oven yet and he's or he poured all of it in and he's like it's too high it's gonna overflow and she's like well use a ladle and take it out and he's like blah 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 blah. and they're just like snapping and criticizing each other and then you know he puts it in the oven and it does overflow and she's like well I told you to take some out and he's like well you made too much and now it's my fault and I mean it was like Ozzy and I were just kind of like looking at each other and like oh my god run for cover like what the fuck is going on it was just it was honestly all five of the things combined but the way they were just criticizing each other and like you did this wrong you did this wrong you did this wrong you did this wrong and I think we all kind of have a tendency to criticize, especially when you've been in a relationship for a long time, it becomes really easy to criticize the other person. And I just want to note that you can ask questions or give feedback. The difference is like, where are you coming from? Like, where are you leading from? Are you leading from love or are you leading with contempt? Like tone is a huge factor here. Um, the, Passive aggression is a big factor here. And I have a good counterexample to this. Ozzy, once in a while, will be like, hey, your nose hairs are getting really long again. Want to go trim them? I don't view that as criticism. He's just trying to help. He's just leading with love. And he's like, you know, you're so beautiful and you're so kind of on top of all of these things with your aesthetics. And he's like, I don't care. Like, have your nose hair go down to the floor. I just know how much you do care about your looks. And so I point it out because like, you know, sometimes you don't notice it. I don't view that as criticism. But things to look out for in your speaking style that can signal that you are criticizing is, for example, if you're using a lot of extreme language, like you always or you never, like for example, you always get so sensitive or you never do the dishes or why do you or why don't you? Like why do you always get this attitude or a lot of should statements like you should really start working out. Like these are forms of criticism and you can give feedback without criticizing. Like for example, hey, I love you. I love our relationship, but sometimes I feel like I'm always doing the dishes and you aren't contributing too much. And it makes me feel like you don't value me and my time or you expect me to be doing everything. And I'd really love it if you could start chipping in with the dishes more. See how that's so different from you never do the dishes? And it accomplishes so much more. It's going to incentivize the person to actually do it rather than criticism isn't ever going to incentivize changed behavior, but consciously communicating and giving feedback without criticizing will inspire changed behavior. So that is my five silent relationship killers, five habits that make you unattractive and that will destroy your relationship. And I do want to, before talking about like causes and how to move past these things, I do want to give a quick note on toxic positivity. I think there's a difference between, um, hold on, what do I want to say? I, I think there's a difference between not engaging in these five behaviors and being toxically positive. So for example, like with complaining, I don't think the opposite of complaining is toxic positivity because it's not black or white and it's not all or nothing. So you can 
first of all, like if you have a complaint, you can make note of it in your head and move on and not say it out loud. And I think that feeling negative things is a really good thing because negative things, negative thoughts, negative experiences, all of those things can be really good clues for where you need inner work. They're trailheads to follow to see where you need deeper subconscious work. But you don't have to verbalize all of those things. And also you can vent and you can complain here and there, but you don't have to vent every single thing. You don't have to share every single thing. Like there are times where you need to vent, but not every complaint has to be voiced. You can just jot it down like, hmm, okay, I'm triggered by this. It's something to explore. Let me write it down in my trigger list and then let me move the fuck on. Okay. Now I want to talk about what causes these five behaviors because I actually think they have There are four broad things that I think cause most or all five of these. And some apply to all of them. Some apply to some of them. Number one, I think this is the biggest one, is irritability. Irritability applies to all five things. If you're irritable, you're going to be snappy. If you're irritable, you're going to be complaining. If you're irritable, you're going to be mocking. If you're irritable, you're going to be criticizing. And if you're... um, irritable, you're going to be condescending. Like these, uh, these things just flow from irritability and irritability, by the way, is a massive sign of depression. In fact, a lot of people, when they have clinical depression, don't actually feel sad. They feel angry and irritable. It's very common, especially in men. So I just want to flag that. So if you're like, oh my God, I am irritable all the time. It's very possible that you have clinical depression. And even though I constantly have clinical depression and I don't take antidepressants. For some people, antidepressants really are the right route. So I just want to flag that and like really talk to your doctor about this because as we know, I am not a medical professional. I just am crazy. (laughs) So there's that. Um, The second cause that's just uh, the cause for everything is learned behavior and modeling. So if you grew up in a household where you saw these behaviors, we as human beings learn by imitating. That's the only way that we learn. Other animals have a lot more um, intuition and things that they act on. That's why, you know, dogs can be separated from their parents at three months, whereas like we cannot. We have a much longer nurturing period with our our caretakers, and we truly only learn by imitating things that we see. So a lot of our behavior is just learned behavior, and that applies to good behavior. Like I can be a very gracious host because I observed that in my parents growing up. And if you're Persian, you know what the fuck I'm talking about. Tarof, like you know that shit. Like, or if you've ever visited a Persian house, you know they are the most hospitable people. But unfortunately, it applies to our negative traits too. And specifically, I want to say, although this applies to all five of the things I talked about, specifically. Specifically, if you do a lot of complaining and do a lot of condescending, I'm willing to bet that you grew up in a household where that happened a lot. The third cause is pent up resentment. If you're harboring something and not letting it out, it's going to explode out and over 
in other ways. It's like a pot that's boiling. If you're not letting the lid off once in a while, or just what I actually do when I bring pasta to a boil is I just kind of, once it's boiling and I have the noodles in so that it doesn't keep overflowing, I just kind of move the lid to the side so there's a bit of a crack. And that way it can just let out bit by bit. But otherwise, it's just going to fucking explode out. And then, you know, if you have a gas stove, it boils over and then it puts the flames out and it's a whole mess. And sometimes you have to restart the whole burner because it's so wet and it's it's just a fucking disaster. So you really have to let it out bit by bit. And going back to when I was complaining a lot at the beach when we were driving up, I had a lot going on. I don't like being in cars. I get extremely, extremely anxious in cars. And the drive was taking fucking forever. I was hungry because I'd not eaten all day. And I thought we were going to get back to the city at like five or six. And so I was like, fine, I'll just eat that. And that's, you know, that's fine. But we ended up not getting back to the apartment till 830 because of the beach. And it took forever to get there. And it just, I was fucking hungry. Like I was so hungry. And I just, you know, like I was turning the AC off because Ozzy doesn't love having the AC on. So I was trying to accommodate and be the best to him in all these ways and not really minding my own needs. So it makes sense that then all of this kind of resentment was coming up in the form of complaining. So yeah, you really have to voice your needs. You have to communicate better. And the fourth cause for these five habits, these, these, the fatal five, the fatal five, the silent relationship killers they are so fatal that'll kill your relationship is overcompensating for your own insecurities. And we particularly see this with condescension. Is condescension a word or did I know? It sounds like um, condes, condensation. No, like uh, when you're condes, condes, being, being condescending. I don't know. Is there a noun for that? Um, for criticizing and mocking. If you're doing those, it's very likely that you're overcompensating for your own insecurities. Um, one example I have of that is I used to make kind of condescending comments when about like not being able to do certain things because I had work. So I'd be like, uh, no, I can't do that. Like I have a job, like in that kind of tone. And I didn't actually have a job and I was super insecure about that. Now I was working to build something, but I didn't have a traditional nine to five job and I was extremely insecure about that. So I overcompensated for it by being condescending like that. I, in the most condescending people that I know, I can now see so clearly how they're insecure about something. And honestly, I think that explains a lot of Catherine's behavior back in high school. Probably I would imagine that she was insecure about stuff and that's why she would be so condescending and mocking and in the way that she would speak to people sometimes. Okay, so we're going to talk about how to stop doing these things. Um, if and the, the how to stop really depends on the cause. So if the cause is irritability, you really need to regulate your nervous system. Specifically, you need to release fight energy. Now we're going to have a full episode on nervous system regulation coming up soon. And I also am coming out with a nervous system regulation course. So stay tuned for those things. But a few things I want to talk about, number one, food. I mean, I just talked about 
I was hungry on the drive up from D.C. and then hungry at the beach, which led to me complaining constantly. If you're hungry, you're going to be irritable and you're going to snap. You're going to complain. You're going to be mean. You're going to be cunty. You're going to be critical. You're going to do all of those things. If you're tired, you really have to watch her sleep. Um, watch for substances. One specifically that I've seen makes people really irritable is Adderall. I took Adderall for like eight, nine years um, during my eating disorder. I went to a doctor, pretended I had ADD. He prescribed it to me, whatever. But Adderall has this like up and down, like while you're on it, you feel kind of happy and euphoric in the beginning, but then it just starts to drain your um, like happy chemicals in your brain. And when you're crashing from it, you become so irritable. Like if you're someone who uses Adderall even a little bit and you're irritable, like when I quit Adderall, it made such a huge difference in my irritability. But, you know, I still can be quite irritable. And I do think I have low grade depression that I'm still regulating through these nervous system tools that I'm workshopping on myself for the course. Um, And then gut stuff is a huge factor, especially constipation. I think every culture has some kind of, uh, you know, expression or fate for phrase about how like being cunty when you're constipated, but it's a very real thing. Okay. If the cause of your behavior is learned behavior, modeling, then you really have to do inner child work. You really have to, in a deep hypnotic state, give yourself a different childhood with different caretakers who were different, who weren't critical, who weren't um, complaining all the time, who were just kind of more like happy, sunshiny kind of people. That's going to make a load of difference. Also, you're really going to have to practice. So if you are a big complainer, Try practicing not complaining. Just practice these things. Call yourself on it. Be a little more mindful. Take a pause. What Ozzy always says to me when I get like this is just take a pause. Just take a beat for five seconds and then react. Because that pause, and you really are going to have to practice doing that pause, but it can make a life of... (laughs) What am I trying to say? A huge difference, a huge difference. Okay, let's just move right along. And also surround yourself with better role models because we all rub off on each other. So if you learned bad behavior in childhood, you can now learn better behavior by being around better people. If the cause of your behavior is pent up resentment, then you're going to have to figure out what it is and you're going to have to learn conscious communication. We have some episodes on it in the podcast. And like, for example, with the beach situation, if I had just been like, hey, I really want to go to the beach because I know you want to go to the beach and I want you to have this fun experience. I also am worried because I've been in the car for forever and I'm extremely terrified of being in the car. I mean, I actually really am so anxious in the car. Like the entire time that I'm in cars, I am just every time a car changes lanes, I'm like, what if it hits us? Every time we pass a truck, I'm like, what if a tire blows out? What if it does this? What if it, what if we're in the truck's blind spot and it tries to change lanes and it smashes us? I mean, every second that I'm in a car feels like 400 minutes to me because I'm constantly, when we're driving over a bridge, what if a car hits us and we drive off the edge? What, like, what if we land in this water? And how am I going to save my dog out of the back? I'm constantly visualizing our deaths. Like I'm so, I such extreme car phobia 
phobia that it's draining for me. So then to add another two hours to it, essentially, to be able to go to the beach and back, it was a lot for me. If I just communicated that, that I was hungry, that I was anxious about the food in the back going back, that I was anxious about Samantha and her health and things like that, honestly, he would have just dropped me off and gone himself (laughs) because nothing was worth the amount of complaining that I did, you know, when I really just destroyed it and made it be not fun. But I should have communicated better. Like none of, and he was like, I'm so sorry I fucked up so much. And I was like, no, you didn't fuck up. This was 100% my fault. I should have communicated ahead of time instead of coming and then complaining. And then I was so hungry that I was just like crying and losing it because my nervous system was so dysregulated. And that brings me to the last cause of all of these behaviors. And that's our own insecurities. And honestly, For that, my recommendations, again, are inner child work and shadow work. You're going to have to figure out the things that you're insecure about and integrate them. A lot of like the things that we can be condescending about are things that we are repressing and suppressing in ourselves because we have learned through society that they're unacceptable. And then it comes out in these kind of snappy judgmental ways. Like for example, with, um, the example I gave before about my insecurities about not having a nine to five job, I had to get to a place where I was okay with having a job that looked different from a traditional nine to five. And it was really hard for me to get there because I'd grown up in a society and a system that, you know, everyone just got a nine to five job. You went to college, you got a normal corporate job and that's what you did. And, you know, it took me moving away from DC and me being in New York and me being around a lot more people with different career paths. And then me also going in and doing the subconscious work and, you know, like doing a lot of inner child work where, for example, I had like artist parents who had different lifestyles and different types of jobs. And I grew up in, you know, a lot more eclectic communities where these things were more praised and everyone wasn't just like a lawyer or an accountant or whatever. To get to a place where I actually wasn't insecure anymore about not having a nine to five. And then I also wasn't condescending anymore about things related to that. And if you have very specific insecurities, you can also address those with practice. So I don't, by that, I don't mean like, oh, just like pretend to be confident or pretend to be something. I mean, actually just like if you're insecure about the way that you speak, then you can practice speaking in a different way. You know what I mean? And you don't just have to like pretend, but you can actually just practice these very specific insecurities. Okay, so that is that. I don't know. I think it's kind of a killer episode. What do you guys think? Uh, Watch me in post when I'm doing post-production be like, oh God, like I should have said this. I always get this after I record. I'm like, fuck, I forgot to mention this or I should have told this story. I forgot to say this and I just kill myself over it. But honestly, I think it's a pretty fucking good episode. I don't know. I don't know. Let me know what you guys think. Sound off in the comments. And that brings me to the way that we wrap every episode as of two episodes ago. And that is the gratitude. And the reason that we do that is because practicing gratitude trains your brain to be more optimistic and be happier, which will actually help you not do these five things. And the key is that you want to do this daily and every day you want to list three 
new things that you're grateful for. You don't want to just repeat the same shit. It's not my dog, my health, my family or whatever. You want to really scan through your day, replay it and look for the good things because it's the process of scanning and looking for new things to be grateful for that is strengthening the part of your brain that looks for the good. It's like training a muscle. And so because I'm doing this weekly on the show, I'm going to pick three things from the week that I'm grateful for, but I'd really like to invite you to do the gratitude practice with me as you're listening. So you can pick three things from your day or three things from your week. If you have a daily practice, then just pick from the day because I do think you should do this every day and I also do this every night. Um, But you can just do three things from the week that you're grateful for. Just make sure you're not repeating yourself. So... My three things. Number one, obviously, I'm so grateful that it went really well with Ozzy and my parents and that everyone liked each other and nothing got explosive and nothing got bad. Um, I'm grateful that we didn't crash because, like I said, I'm constantly aware of that (laughs) and freaking out about that. And I'm grateful that I had a good poo finally because I've been so constipated in the process of getting off of this magnesium. And I've finally had some good bowel movements, which also makes me a lighter and sunnier person. Um, So if you want to drop the three things that you're grateful for in the comments or the review section, I would love that because I love hearing them. And um, in Spotify, you can just drop them and there's like a Q&A section so you can drop them there. And also we are doing giveaways. It is now August. So we're starting over with the August giveaway. And every month at the end of the month, I will randomly select a person who left a review for the show and the winner will get a free six-month membership to the Blush Academy, which has some sick, sick, sick courses. And you'll fucking love it. All you have to do to enter is leave a review and say how amazing the podcast is and how much you love me and just how much you look forward to listening to the podcast or whatever you actually want to say. And screenshot it and email it to me at theblushpod at gmail.com. You can also leave your Instagram handle if you prefer doing it that way in the review. Either way, at the end of the month, I look through the reviews and I randomly select a winner and you will win a six-month membership to the Academy. If you've already left a review, I do encourage you to screenshot this episode and put it in your Instagram stories and send it to people that you know, because honestly, that's how the show grows so much. And let's be real. This is an amazing episode and it will change everyone's lives and relationships. So why would you not want to share the wealth? And honestly, if you're someone who does these five things a lot and in listening, you're like, fuck, I do these things a lot. And I wish I was a better partner to my partner. Send it to your partner and be like, wow, wow, I'm aware that I do these things and I'm sorry and I'm going to be better and I think you should listen to this too. Or if you have um, a partner who does these five things, send this episode to them. I think it could really, really help them. And if you have any friends, anyone who does these things or just anyone who would benefit from the show in general, please spread the word because let's be real, I can't get a corporate job after this, so we need the show to keep doing well. (laughs) Okay, love you guys. Thank you so much for listening or watching whichever that you did. And thank you in advance for sharing the show and leaving reviews and rating and reviewing and subscribing and doing all these wonderful things. Love you guys. We will talk next week. Bye.